0: Hey guys, this is Amanda Mork, native Angelino, classic rock fanatic, and host of My Rock Moment. If you're a diehard classic rock fan and love hearing about unforgettable moments in rock, then this podcast is definitely for you. Join us for bi-monthly episodes as we connect with special guests as they share their unforgettable rock moments and stories that made them forever fans. And don't forget to head over to my Instagram at LA Woman Rocks for some cool classic rock photos and the stories behind them. Today we're talking with A.J. Eaton, filmmaker and director of the David Crosby biopic Remember My Name, which came out last year. So A.J. is joining me from high on a mountaintop in Idaho, (laughs) and we're going to chat about some of the memorable rock moments he had while making the movie and taking that Laurel Canyon trip with Crosby, and the incredible moment when he first met Cameron Crowe as well, who signed on to produce the film with him. So there's a lot of good stuff in here for you Crosby lovers, so I hope you enjoy. AJ, I am excited to have you on today.
1: So be here.
0: Me too, me too. Long time coming. So since everybody listening are classic rock fans like me, I think you may know him most recently and best for the incredible David Crosby documentary that you did with Cameron Crowe that came out last year. Actually, just August of 2019.
1: Right. Well, July of 2019. Yeah.
0: July of 2019. Mm -hmm. So it's called Remember My Name. And it was also nominated for a Grammy, rightly so. It was an incredible documentary. So well done, you.
1: Thank you. (laughs) 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 Thanks.
0: and, And I don't, you know, I don't want to make it all about the movie, but... I think a lot of people would want to know is I had always been curious to know is how was it to be immersed in that Laurel Canyon scene? You know, that sixties golden era scene and no less with two music heavyweights like Crosby and Crow. I mean, that's about as close as you can get to reliving that time as anyone will ever get.
1: True. Um, how was it to immerse myself into that Laurel Canyon scene? Well, first off, like, i you know, as you see in the movie, Crosby was kind of resistant um and and is kind of like scoffs at the whole mythology of Laurel Canyon to begin with like he as you see in the movie, he's like there's no cinematic value here at all this is just this is just where we got the groceries you know <laughs> and um uh and and but i uh i really was i mean there was a lot of arguments before I even got him to go up to agree to go up there but once he did go up there and he started reminiscing about the 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 environment where every this you know the convergence of musicians living up there which just basically started from people wanting to get away from the smog and it was a, right. affordable at that time and um you know and it would just be that you would just kind of go up there and run into a musician so you had like but it was also like Crosby's genre, like the monkeys were up there, right? I mean, Zappa was up there. Uh, uh, Jackson Brown was up there. Carol King. Mm-hmm. Um, and um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, I was just, it was, it was kind of ironic because I wasn't the, the, the biggest Crosby fan going into making the, the documentary, which is kind of a crazy idea for me to say. Um, I knew who Crosby, Stills, and Nash were. My dad was a songwriter. You know, he was a folk artist in the 60s and 70s. And uh, he, uh, so I I grew up hearing stories about like the Laurel Canyon world, you know. Mm-hmm. And Carol King, uh, uh, she has a house in Idaho. And so we listened to a lot of Carol King uh, growing up and James Taylor and and I think James was in that Laurel Canyon scene. So I was familiar kind of like on a cellular level of that world, but I also wasn't not, like I know my parents had deja vu. I know they had that album and I remember listening to it, but when I met Crosby, then it was like, I had a chance to like, I was meeting this new person uh, for the first time and my expectations were so like, I knew all of the news stories about him, like the guy had a liver transplant, the guy who had a, you know, a drug problem. And, um, you know, unfortunately, that's like, the the way we live in world media today is like, you are only known by like, the one, headline, you know, yeah, and or the most recent one, right. So, <clears throat> so I had like, oh, you know, my brother is this amazing guitarist musician and and was like, Got the opportunity to go work with with Crosby, and I was I was upon the opportunity to go stop by the studio and hear what they were working on. I was I had really kind of no expectations or low expectations, knowing that he was older, you know, had gone through all these things, and what I was uh, uh, was like totally surprised that he was so like with it into working with all these new musicians, including my brother and writing all this luscious uh, music that then harkened back to that that Laurel Canyon era, that kind of style, you know, harmonies, dense harmonies and these really cool chord changes that are kind of inspired by jazz changes. And, and it was just, it reminded me of what, so I had a chance to then meet him as a person and like rediscover the Laurel Canyon era even if he was resistant to it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, uh, and just, it was funny because once once I got the movie rolling, once I, which was quite a kind of a, a feat in, and in itself, because it was a Hollywood chess match of getting everyone together uh, at the same time, getting their schedules together, getting the financing together, financing it myself for a while, uh, you know, like, not paying my rent one month because i needed to hire a film crew like a number of i mean
0: you were living the hollywood dream essentially
1: <laughs> yeah i guess the so. hollywood
0: reality i guess is what yeah. i should say
1: reality yes the hollywood uh and per- per- perhaps there were some moments where it was the hollywood nightmare but
0: oh, yeah yeah well it's all one and the same guys I hate to burst the bubble but you know right
1: right so um but but once once we got the movie up and running and i had shot footage of Crosby uh, just on, you know, basically like, let me just shoot some footage of you guys working in the studio. And my, my gut was, was right. That it was like, once I got him on camera, and once I started, uh, you know, getting him to talk, like he loves to tell stories and he's in a great, great storyteller. Mm -hmm. And um, so um, that's what kind of started the momentum of, of the whole thing. But once I got, the, the movie, you know, financed. And, you know, this was like four or five years once we got financed and Cameron officially came aboard having art just done some interviews for us and then came aboard, like, I can't not be involved in this project. And he and I were really vibing and, and just like finishing each other's sentences and things on this project. I was driving through, I'd either take cold water or I'll take Laurel home mm-hmm. from my office Mm-hmm. Uh, or our edit bay, and so it was kind of a cool, like, ironically, world uh, where I was taking Laurel over and listening to every night. I would listen to, okay, I've got to listen to a new Laurel Canyon artist just to think and put myself in that mindset. And then, you know, next when I would see Crosby, I would ask him about, like, hey, did you know, like, oh, you know, look at Mar-as you, and the Papas, or whatever.
0: <laughs> and, so knowledgeable.
1: Yeah. And, uh, so, and then as, as you'll see in the movie, um, you know, or as you see in the movie, he does, um, you know, it was, it was a place that was dense with memories. And I think that he, and some, some complicated ones.
0: Right. Some very complicated ones. And I mean, first of all, I've seen all the, you know, Laurel Canyon, um, documentaries and, Mm -hmm. you know, anything that's basically on it. I've read books and, you guys did an exceptional job. Um, and I know that you said you weren't the biggest fan of Crosby going in and you had a peripheral knowledge of Laurel Canyon, but I have to imagine as you got more and more engrossed in that scene, um, it bred more of a reverence for that space and time mm-hmm. and all the art that came out of it. So that being said, and by the way, you did also mention Cameron Crowe coming out on. I there that's a funny story. So I want to touch on that later. But that being said, what were some of the moments in the making of that movie that to you were magic, that to you were memorable rock moments that will always stick with you? Was it meeting one of the artists in that documentary or standing at a certain place? um, You know, uh, what was it that struck you the most during the film?
1: we started designing on thinking about how we're going to make this movie. And we had done a number of, of, of series of really intense interviews with, you know, Crosby and Cameron and myself and so on. We finally decided like, we've got to go to Laurel Canyon. And, you know, we're talking and, and again, Crosby was resistant at first, but I thought like, that's going to be, I think we're going to get some interesting behavior from that. And so standing there, I think at the, at the outside of, of Joni's house, mm-hmm. I think it did turn out to be one of the great um, like rock kind of, Oh my God. Like he's, he's, he's reminiscing viscerally. He's reminiscing. It's not calculated. Like I, we didn't prepare him like, okay, we're going to go to Joni's house. We just said, we're going to go to Laurel Canyon. And we had our camera crew, ready to just respond to like how he was going to viscerally react. Uh, and, and when he said, that's the house that, you know, our house was written about. And that was the song that I re- I myself associated with Crosby stills and Nash. And so now you're in a place, now you're in a time and it's uh, you know, it's. That
0: must've really hit you.
1: Yeah. And even Cameron was there with us and he was like, Oh dude, you know, like he, his, he was, we were hitting his, um, you know, his favorite sweet spot as well. And so, and I was like all real nervous about having, not having, you know, most directors have a monitor that they carry around so they can kind of check the shot and all that. But we were shooting so fast and Crosby was, was just like, spouting off oh yeah that's where so-and-so lived that's where that would live. like he's just his memory is so g- great um and you know that's the house that i got fired from and all of that which is actually on, on uh, beverly Glen. but uh anyway it's laurel canyon the idea and uh mm-hmm. but when that was i think one of the when we we didn't realize then but we had a great moment for our film
0: Yeah. yeah and I'm sure, yeah, like you said, you felt it. Cameron Crow felt it. Yeah. I mean, even watching it, you feel it. Because even if you're not a real big fan of classic rock or specifically um, Crosby's work, you know, be it in Crosby, stills and Nation and Young or The Birds or whatever it is, um, you know our house. And I think okay. it strikes everybody, uh, whether you like it or hate it, you know the words. And it kind of brings you to this idyllic time that doesn 't exist now, maybe it never existed i don 't know, but um, it's a memorable song totally and i
1: mean you if you grew up in the 80's and 90s um, and you I mean take the 70s out, but if you just grew up in the 80's and 90s someone who's you know my age um, you knew that song because you you had a radio on at wherever you were going to get your car oil changed or go to the grocery store. You would hear that song mm-hmm. part of your DNA being that I was not like shorthand with Crosby and being that I was not like gigantic. I wasn't a youngster during the height of the Laurel Canyon era. I was a, I'm a, you know, younger person looking back and rediscovering and being able to answer, ask all of those, like those, uh, those questions That are kind of the basic questions like, wow, what was that like when you were living there? And he gets kind of annoyed when people ask, what was Woodstock like? What was that like? But I was able to enter in through music because Crosby and I connected over my art, over the fact that I was so excited about the new music that he was making. Right. You know, this new, I mean, he's four albums in five years.
0: There's very few opportunities one gets when one is interviewing a famous person, a celebrity, a musician, an actor, whatever it is, to really, um, to really create a relationship with them. A lot of times it is these pointed questions that you gotta get out quick, you've got a certain amount of time and you're gonna ask certain questions. What what was it like to be at Woodstock? And you're gonna get a canned answer because he has Mm -hmm. answered that question a thousand times. So you had such a unique opportunity to get to know the man and engage organically and get these answers maybe not you know um all at once or whatever it is but in a roundabout way and over time um and i had the uh, pleasure of watching this come to fruition in the very last stages and hearing some behind the scenes stories and because i am such a huge fan of cameron crow um and there's something wrong with you if you're not, but what I love most was hearing the story, and to me, that was a my rock moment for me, um, oh. you know, being as close to you as I am, and hearing the story of how he came on, which I thought was just so serendipitous and I just wanted you to share that because I think it's awesome, you know, sure. and walking into his office and the way you even described him. I mean, he just sounds so like bull and wonderful. And immediately you're like, yes, I want to work with this person. Not just because of his, you know, pedigree and everything he's done, but he just seems like a cool guy.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, there's so much, uh, you know, I believe that there are projects that you, you take on creatively or elsewhere. And when you are, you just, you set your sights towards that, that things will come together sometimes and wrote, you know, serendipitously. And we had Hollywood going out and pitching movies, which I've done a lot and TV series. Um, you know, you get caught up in this, like this thing of like, and, and people will just be, then they'll tell you all the negative things. Like, and especially with Crosby was like, Oh, he's a has-been or, "Eh, you know, he's this movies have been done. And I, I had first when someone proposed, like, I think it was my, my He's like, you really ought to do a movie about Crosby and he, and, you know, introduced me and all that. But, but I was like, boy, you know, I think those are, have already been done, you know? And, and then when I met Crosby and I decided like, okay, yeah, there's, there is definitely a movie to be made here. Anyway, to, to answer your question, I got, I, I went around Hollywood and I was, you know, meeting with a lot of places and, And it just felt like creatively, there were a lot of folks that just didn't, were not getting it. Uh, And then one company, I tell this funny story and I just generalize it, but like one company said, well, we'll get behind and finance the movie, but um, you would have to put, use a lot of our other clients that we represent in the movie. And so they represented a lot of like hip hop artists. (laughs) And so I was like- Totally, why not? (laughs) yeah, Yeah. What about losing happened.
0: the magic? Hip-hop's great, but Laurel Canyon... Not yeah.
1: Crosby's not going to go with that.
0: <laughs> no, no.
1: <laughs> no way. And uh, so um, I kind of had, for, at, at a, a throw I finally arrived at that moment where you go, it may just not work. It, it may not... This movie, the timing for this movie it may just be wrong like it just so this is wonderful lady who's one of our zerski and Jill has, you know she's got a hollywood story that's amazing her dad is an oscar-winning director and she and jj abrams wrote their first screenplays together and so she she and i had had this brutal meeting at a bit at big agency and we just it was not we could just see it wasn't working She said, why don't you come back to my office and we'll just talk about it. So I go back to her office, which is at bad robot. Uh, Mm -hmm. JJ still have some ongoing endeavors and, uh, bad robot was, was in the midst of producing roadies. And I see Cameron there. And it was just like, it just dawned on me right there. Like what? That's it. I could see it all right there. And, uh, so um i and, no and jill, big deal no no big deal like that's, <laughs> i'll but yeah. just go ask him <laughs> yeah and and jill said like well what i'll go i'll go talk to him i'll mention it to him later on sure and she called me back and she she, she just like said you've got to come here tomorrow cameron crow wants to meet you um and the next day like and when i say the next day and in hollywood reality that when someone says they want to meet with you the next day, that doesn't, that doesn't happen. That's, That's usually like a, a month. Yeah. Maybe. An assistant will say, "Ah, oh, well, he's got an opening in his calendar from four 15 and to five 15 on uh, January 2022. <laughs> <know? laughs> um, but, uh, but uh, anyway, so I went back and I remember him. He had this yellow steno pad like this one. Um, and he just was tapping his his pencil on it he's like wow so you've done all these interviews yeah we've done like interviews and i've got all this footage of him recording cameron in the studio and like this this really intimate verite footage so cool man and yeah he's into it huh yeah i mean he wants to do it wow that's so cool and he he just kind of sat back and he's like tell you what why don't you let me do an interview just this will be my gift to the movie just let me do an interview and i was like Cameron Crowe interviewing Crosby. Yeah, I think so. Um, why not? You know? And so we set cut to like about a month later, we set an interview. Crosby's in the studio. Here comes Cameron and his team of people. Greg Mariotti, who ended up being one of our producers on the movie is one of them. And and I could see that now Crosby and Cameron are, it's a different conversation. A lot of the questions that i wanted to ask crosby and was kind of trying to figure out a way to ask them cameron was able to ask because they've had a legacy of being you know talking together for you know for articles and crosby had a legacy of giving cameron in the midst of cameron being this youngster you know as you know the almost famous story i mean that's true and crosby is i think one of those characters and you know he 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 continues to give you extremely honest candid answers and kind of i think pulls the veil be, out behind like the typical like rock star canned answers especially for Cameron i think Crosby saw something in Cameron and so Cameron's all i think always had like a he, he feels like Crosby gave him a great opportunity and and he says it in the movie but um um, so the minute those guys started talking uh, uh, I could see there's an even bigger synergy going around about this project. And, you know, I think one of the first questions and I'm not kidding you what, I mean, he's asked, we just kind of did this Crosby Wikipedia of like, "What? where did you go to grade school? What was your high school experience like, you know, getting kicked out of a, the cave school in Santa Barbara, all of that. And it got to like, when did you lose your virginity? And Crosby okay. didn't even, didn't even say, Oh yeah, well, it was, uh, mom, Yeah. Gave the details and lady was a little older than I am. She was very patient with me. I was like
0: going, <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, if someone asked
1: me that I'd be like, next question.
2: <laughs> <laughs>
0: He's got good. nothing to hide at this point. Fortunately yeah. and unfortunately, you are not Crosby, so <laughs> that was probably just child's play. I'll I'll tell you about losing my virginity. I mean, God, he's got nothing else to hide. He's been laid bare over the years. So. No pun intended. Uh,
1: but yeah, I mean, and and the idea that he was able, he didn't he didn't have any problems. Like, and and from that point forward, or from from that era, we I think Cameron started thinking like okay this is going to be like this guy as i've been saying like like crosby crosby's mind was totally clear his memory was totally great um he was he you know he was able to recall facts and figures i mean someone who's been through what he's been through and i know a lot of musicians because i grew up around them i know guys that did half the drugs and have um, and and don't have a fraction of the memory. You know what I mean?
0: It's true. And oh yeah, yeah. So. He's the great storyteller. I mean, it's you know, oh. he in his younger years he was the great connector and a wonderful artist. You know, mm-hmm. albeit a little you know difficult. Yeah. Um, oh. but, <laughs> but now he's here to essentially continue telling the story. Mm -hmm. um and that's an incredible gift and and for you to literally think about cameron and within 24 hours be in his office and him at least sign on to the first interview you know and that facilitate him taking on you know a major role in the um the making of the film come on aj it was meant to be it's incredible, and I and you know, like I said, I didn't want this whole interview to be about the movie necessarily, oh. but it's such an incredible time. And anybody who's listening knows if, if there, if anybody listening is like me, they mm-hmm. know that time and place so well, and yeah. they know that it was one of the two great golden eras of music in LA, um, mm-hmm. arguably, arguably, sixties mm-hmm. and eighties. Yeah. and what it felt like to walk down the Sunset Strip on either um, during either of those times um, was probably a truly magical feeling so you got to be in the middle of it and that's what's so fascinating and you got to work with these heavyweights these icons I mean their reputation precedes them um, totally. Totally. And that, so that being said as a filmmaker um, what are some of the best soundtracks you have seen over the years
1: Soundtracks. I know, well,
0: I know. I'm throwing that out. Yeah, me. I mean, Some I'm films a. That have been film, done pretty well.
1: I'm a film soundtrack junkie, so like, it is my like. Where do I begin? Like, let me just get warmed up here. I
0: say top, yeah, top three. I love asking these little questions at the end of each interview. Oh, I you know? love it.
1: Um, well, first off, just from a pure score uh, standpoint, you know, uh, you you can you can't. Uh, go wrong with um, Schindler's List is probably one of the greatest pieces of, of film music ever written and it's, and that that will just go deep there uh, yeah. but then you get the ETs and the Jurassic Parks and the Back to the Future by Alan Silvestri which I think is an amazing amazing work um, God it's just so good um, <laughs> I love that I love it and um, I, um, uh, lately, I've been very uh, impressed with some of the music that uh, John Powell has been writing. Uh, the How to Train Your Dragon scores are just fantastic.
0: Wow, see, you're deeper than me. Oh. <laughs> I'm thinking like, hmm, Apocalypse Now, Pulp Fiction. <laughs>
1: oh, Pulp Fiction is a great soundtrack. Like the, the, I mean, the, every- the,
0: no, no, everybody knows those, but um, just in terms of incorporating music in a very creative way, I yeah. mean, from a scoring standpoint, on point, yeah. but yeah, taking pop culture and, you know, marrying a great piece of uh, entertainment with, um,
1: mm-hmm.
0: you know, great songs.
1: One, one of the challenges that we had with Crosby uh, was, okay, we've got this dense I mean, we're we're taking we're showing scenes from Easy Rider, and so you have like the band and trying to take a piece from that that era of time. But one of like you know, because Crosby was in the Birds, um, the the typical song that everyone uses, um, you know, uh, and and the only the best you, well, the typical song that everyone uses when they well, like cut to like the '60s is you know either. Um, something in here yeah. for what it's worth. Yeah. For what it's worth. Um, and, uh, so we were like, okay, we've got to avoid. I love that song. Don't get me wrong, but we've got to avoid because it becomes cliche. And well, so we went deep cups, mm-hmm.
0: um,
1: mm-hmm. or
0: that's what you have to do these days.
1: You do. Yeah. Uh, or, um, uh, one of the, what's the, the, um, uh, the bird song that we ended up using was so you want to be a rock and roll star, which is so symbolic of like, you know, we're talking.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's, it's making fun of the record industry is what it's doing or it's exactly them. Mm -hmm. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um,
1: But, uh, and then Mr. Tambourine man, we had that, but there was a turn, turn, turn was like, again, like I've, I've, that has been in every movie from the six, from the seventies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so it was like, uh, even though this is the gut we're making the movie about the guy who was in that song or seeing that song, uh, we've got to, we've got to avoid that. So,
0: yeah, but you put some good stuff in there and you put my favorite Crosby, Stills and Nash song in there, which was Southern Cross. Oh. And anytime I hear that song, I'm just mesmerized. Um, they did such a great job on that. And I think it's a song that a lot of people might know, but they don't. They don't think about it it's not one of those classics that's used often you know and you guys did you guys did a great job you do yeah, a great job Thank you. um well aj i know we're coming upon the time here but i i did ask you you know about some soundtracks that you love sure. but i want to really quickly first concert you ever went to
1: well i was an infant if you, technically you know because of my dad uh
0: but, but you remember.
1: Yeah. First concert that I remember, like, being conscientious, like, I have to go to this concert. Uh, aside from going to the, like, local symphony in my, you know, small town and all that stuff. I think it was the the Horde Tour. Really?
0: The Horde uh, Tour?
1: Blues Traveler.
0: Oh, God.
1: And we broke down. You are a
0: child of the 90s. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
1: Um, but that was like the first time where we were like making a conscientious decision, like, okay, dad, this is nothing that, uh, dad's not into blues traveler or that this is our own music that we've discovered on our own. And it speaks to us and right. we we're going to make this tr- like two and a half hour drive to go to this tour, which like I had a bunch of artists, but yeah. But blues traveler and they were singing wild. at the base of the mountain and it was like that was the biggest concert that I can remember going to uh and so you know and blues traveler were the the shit at that time
0: awesome, <laughs> awesome. Oh, my God. No, they were amazing. I mean, quite different than mine. I guess that should have been foretelling uh, (laughs) of what direction I was going to go in. But my first concert was the Monkees in Palm Springs. Whoa. 91. Thank you very much. Yeah, the Monkees. Minus Mike Nesmith. But the other three were there. Right. And I got a kiss from Peter Tork. Well. Yep. Yep. I was 12. I was 12 and he kissed my cheek. I'll never forget that. All these girls or ladies, I remember, I'm 12 years old. I weave my way up to the front. I see all these other women. They're literally throwing bras, still throwing bras, throwing flowers, whatever it was. And I'm just standing there, (laughs) 12 years old, like, I don't have any of that. And I'll never forget, Peter Tork shook my hand and then bent over. He kissed me on the cheek. And I'm like, never washing this cheek. I mean, I uh, saw enough monkeys reruns on Nick at Night that I was a diehard fan. So well, you know, I remember I got, it. <laughs> I got news for you. There
1: is a there is a monkeys documentary coming out by a bunch of very talented filmmakers and very talented director coming out very
0: soon. Oh God, I can't wait to see it. Talk about being <laughs> interwoven with the Laurel Canyon scene. I mean, it'll totally. sure document all of that. But totally. anyways, I digress. Whew, gotten all hot and bothered, but. Uh, AJ, thank you so much for being on. I'm
1: always happy to talk to you. No,
0: no. I you're just a dear and you know, you are a great conversationalist and you've got so many stories. So I appreciate you sharing them with us, or at least some of them with us today.
1: Anytime. Okay.
0: (laughs) All right, I'll talk to you soon. And I hope I see you soon.
1: We'll see you soon. Stay cool. (laughs) Stay healthy.
0: We'll do. Thanks, AJ. Thanks so much for joining, guys. If you liked this episode, share a pic on Instagram and tag me. Send me a message to let me know what you liked or what you want to hear more of, or feel free to leave a review on iTunes. And don't forget to head over to LA Woman Rocks on Instagram for some great classic rock photography.